And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Like, what did you just say? Did you just grunt? No, he said, I'm Batman. I love Batman. And you know what frustrates me about Batman? Is that he doesn't really have any superpowers. He's just got a lot of money, a lot of innovation, and a lot of courage to protect Gotham City. Like, he doesn't have the ability to, like, shoot laser beams from his eyes or throw a really cool shield and take you down. Or He doesn't have any superpowers. It's just courage money and innovation that's all he's got and you know what makes me mad even more so about batman is that we have 540 billionaires in the united states of america and nobody has stepped up to the plate to become batman does anybody else think we need a batman today (laughs) in the world we live in i mean wouldn't it be so cool to just put the light up right the evangel light and we have evangel batman and it's like there's something happening at the church the security system called and this guy's like i'll take care of it and he like is here and he's like hallelujah praise jesus and he's praying for him he's not punching him because we don't beat people up here but wouldn't it be cool if we had batmans like all over the united states it would be so great The cool thing about Batman, about Bruce Wayne, is he has this ability to leave his billionaire life of ease and step into this role where he courageously puts himself in harm's way to protect Gotham City. And I was sitting and I was thinking, we went and saw the new James Bond movie this past week, and I was sitting and thinking about superheroes and about today's message, and the whole Batman thing came in my mind. And I really started asking myself this really deep question. Anybody ready for a deep question? A deep question. Dr. Phil got confused when I asked him this. I actually texted him. Just kidding. I didn't do that. Um, Is Batman really Batman or is he Bruce Wayne? Like one of them's an imposter, right? You can't be two people at one time unless you have dissociative identity disorder. Then we could talk about that. I've got a good good therapist I can send you to. But is he Batman or is he Bruce Wayne? Because you can't be both. You got to be one or the other. Is it this million dollar, you know, man, this billion dollar man that everybody looks up to who's, you know, disguising himself as Batman or is Batman the real deal? And he uses Bruce Wayne as a front or as this generation would call a beard, right? A mask, somebody different. Is Batman really Batman or is he Bruce Wayne who puts on a mask? And this rattles around in my head when I'm studying. I'm just sitting here thinking like, who's the real deal? Is it really Bruce? Because I mean, we know Bruce's body is in the suit. But what is his real identity? Does he sit in his office as Bruce Wayne and think about, man, I gotta be Batman tonight. I wonder what's gonna happen in Gotham City. Or is he like Batman and he's like, man, I can't wait to get a cup of coffee and go back to my Sky Rise apartment. This is tough. Which one is it? Which, which one is it? Two identities, one person, and we know that one of them is an imposter. One of them is not the real deal, even though they're both real people, but one of them is the true essential person. You know, you know, I think I know why I love Batman so much. It's because in a lot of ways I can relate to Batman. No, I can't like crush buildings with my fist. I'm not that strong. I know some people in this church that are that strong, but it's not me. No, I can't like jump between buildings. I'm afraid of heights, terrified of heights. No, I'm not a billionaire. <laughs> That's clear. <laughs> but I can relate to Batman in a lot of different ways. You know, my life, I've been blessed to do some really cool stuff. i I was raised in a broken home. My parents divorced when I was 10 years old, and so I had to grow up really quick. I had to grow up really fast. I moved out when I was uh, 16 years old, and I just, I had to grow up really fast. And in growing up really quick, I was able to see the world and do a lot of really cool things. And one of the things I did was I played high school football. I had a couple of D1 college football offers. I walked away from all of them because I got tired of sounding like a Ritz cracker when I got out of bed in the mornings. (laughs) 
And I got tired of doing that. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to live the rest of my life that way. But I had picked up music in the middle of high school. And I joined a country band and played some country western music. Come on, somebody, right? And I toured all over the southeast United States for about seven or eight years. Got to open for some of the biggest names in country music today. And man, I was blessed to do that. That was a cool experience, you know. That was a really cool experience. And I've been in full-time ministry for almost 10 years now. I've, I was in Virginia. I've been in Orlando. I've been, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like I felt when I lived in Orlando, I was a Disney, uh, Disney World's pastor because everybody at my church worked at Disney World. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you on Monday through Friday? I'm Snow White. Oh, I never would have known. Um, <laughs> so you, it's just crazy. You get to have a lot of really cool experiences moving all over the world. And, you know, but I, I sat back and I looked at this message and I'm like, I can relate to Batman. Because Batman has to perform to be Batman. Because if he goes out and he upsets Gotham City, then Batman becomes a crook. He's no longer a hero. And I wonder if Bruce Wayne dealt with some insecurity that, man, if I don't get this done, I'm not going to be good enough to be the Batman. And I look back at my life and, man, I struggle with that. I even struggle with that a little bit today is if I don't perform in a certain way, am I good enough to walk in this calling that God's given me? If I don't perform in a certain way, am I good enough to be the husband that I'm supposed to be? If I, if I don't perform and put on the mask and look perfect to the people, am I eligible to lead a people that I can't look perfect for? Am I eligible? Am I, is it something that I can do? Are you guys okay if I get a little vulnerable today? Like, like I don't want to be Batman wearing the shell today because I think a lot of times in church we do a really good job of putting on the Batman suit to come to church. Right? Like... <laughs> And our voices even change like Batman. We go from like, hi, my name is so-and-so. At church, we're like, hey, brother, blessed and highly favored, as are you, praise God. Our voices totally change when we walk in the church, kind of like Batman. And today, I want to take the suit off, right? I want to take the suit off, and I want to say, hey, here's, here's the deal. Like, at the inner core of, of Batman is this Bruce Wayne. At the inner core of Pastor Mike, how you may see me is Mike Braddock. And I struggle, and I'm not perfect, and... You know, we, we're really good about sharing our highlight reels on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, and we're really good about showing the highlight reels of our life and, you know, sharing these posts about the good things. But what would it be like one day if I just made a post that said, today my insecurity is getting the best of me. I'm falling apart from the inside out. I'm crying and nobody can find me. Well, what's happening inside of me? I'm falling apart. Depression is raging through my veins. I don't even know what to do next because I'm falling Apart. That's not, not going to get a bunch of shares and likes, right? You might get some messages from some fellow Batman <laughs> praying for you, brother. I don't need prayer right now. I need somebody to talk to. Praying for you, brother. But we sit and we wear this Batman shield. I know we got deep fast. We're going to laugh a little today. We're going to have fun. But I'm telling you, I, I think that, that God is calling us to step out of wearing this beautiful suit of armor and put on the armor of God, to step out of wearing this beautiful cape and putting on the makeup and wearing the mask and stepping out and saying, I think it's time to be real. I think it's really time for us to be real. And I'm not saying this and I'm not sharing my story to look for sympathy. I don't need that. I don't need that. I share it because I want to be vulnerable. I want to be real so that we can get together today and we can make a decision about how we live our lives not only in private, but in public alike. I know you're probably thinking like, wait, isn't this church, he hasn't really talked about Jesus a whole lot. Like, isn't he supposed to be like already reading a scripture by now? 
Like, doesn't he know that I have a standing 1205 at Cracker Barrel? Well, why hasn't he gotten into the Word? We read the congregational prayer about the Word. Why hasn't he gotten there yet? But I say all that to say this. You have Bruce Wayne and Batman. You have polished Pastor Mike, and you have Mike Braddock, the human. And then you have Jesus, and you're like, oh, well, watch out, brother. Don't step on my Jesus. I'm not stepping on him. I love him. He's in my heart. But then we have Jesus, And if you've been raised in church or been raised around church, you know Jesus is 100% God, but he's also 100% man. So we get asked the same question about Jesus that we asked about Batman. Is he a 100% God moonlighting as man on 33 years on this earth? Or is he 100% man who just has the, the favor of heaven on his life as he lives 33 years on this earth, a perfect life on this earth? And you know he had to struggle with that a little bit from time to time because he was a human. Jesus was a human. He was born of a virgin Mary from a human. He didn't drop out of the sky like an orb and just become a human out of a water puddle. Or No, he literally was born just like you and I were born. He's a human. He had feelings. He had, he had a heart. He had temptation. He had struggles. He had trials. But yet remaining perfect, he was 100% God. And we could sit back and say, well, he was Jesus, so he had a hand up on us, right? But does he? I mean, he faced some of the same struggles we faced, maybe a little bit more dated, several thousand years older, but the tricks of the enemy have not shifted over several thousand years. He, he tricks us in the same way now that he did then. But then there's Batman and Bruce Wayne. There's you and whatever the counterpart of your life is. There's myself and my true self. And then there's Jesus, not only the son, but the son of God. There's this struggle that we see that's developed And you may be thinking, hey, Mike, you're way out in left field. Um, I'm going to act like I have to go to the bathroom so I can leave early because you're weird and you're acting crazy, talking all this nonsense. But I'm telling you, I'm going somewhere today. Can you guys come along with me? We're going to go somewhere today. Look at your neighbor and say, I promise he's going somewhere. And then you can whisper, hopefully, 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 they may never give him the mic again after today, hopefully. Just kidding. Don't say that. Don't say that. That's, that's uh, slander and complaining and murmuring. And that we'll talk about that another week. Um, so today I want to talk about a passage of scripture we find in the book of Matthew. This book of Matthew was written about 20 years after Jesus ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Matthew is one of the disciples who dealt with some of this imposter mentality as well. You know why? Because he was a hated seaside tax collector. Right? Like this is the guy at the DMV that has a bad day every day. So you got this guy, and then Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, is like, hey, drop everything and follow me. And you got to look at people who are like, if this guy's the proclaimed rabbi or the Messiah, why the heck is Jesus asking Matthew to follow him? That joker's a knucklehead. What is he doing by asking him to follow him? But for the sake of time, I'm not going to unpack that too much. But you see Matthew chapter 3, at the very end of Matthew chapter 3, We see this beautiful scene where John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And the Bible says the heavens open up and a dove descends down upon them. And the voice of God speaks and it says this line, for this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Could you imagine that scene? You're there for that moment. Jesus is baptized, the heavens split open, a dove comes down, the voice of God speaks, for this is my son in whom I am well pleased. But we don't want to focus on that today. What we want to focus on is what happened after that was spoken over him. 
We get to chapter four. If you have your Bibles with you today, you either turn them on, flip them open, however you read the word. Open those today to Matthew chapter four. We're gonna kick it off right in verse one. And we're gonna talk about this moment where Jesus, having been spoken over by the Father that this is my son whom I well pleased, immediately is tested in the wilderness. Immediately. It starts by saying this, it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter, Satan, the devil, came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will not command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him again. He said, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 8 says this. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor and said, all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. So chapter three, for this is my son and whom I am well pleased. Chapter four, Satan says, well, if you're the son, then prove it. If you're the son, then prove it. Surely you can do a couple little things, little miscellaneous things to prove that you're the son of God. Do you think it's a coincidence that happened right after that? I don't, I don't think so. Especially on the hinges of Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, knowing he was hungry and starting off by saying, go make some food. If you can do it, then just make food. And Jesus stood firm. And today I want to navigate the waters of this story as to how it pertains to you and I. I want to navigate this idea as we move forward. This idea that there's power that we can find in being real. And today I want to talk about the power of real. The power of real. Notice I didn't spell R-E-E-L. So young people, it's not about what you put on your reel. It's about being real, on your reel, so that your friends will see that you're real and you look more like Jesus. I'm not going to go there. Oh, gosh. But we have Satan here. He's forcing Jesus to try to prove himself in the wilderness by saying, well, if you are the son of God that we heard God speak over you at baptism, then why don't you blank? Why don't you perform? And you know what the hard part is about you and I? Is when culture says, well, if you are blank, then you should blank. And why do we give in to it time after time to prove ourselves? It's because real is hard. Real is tough. To come out and say, this is the real me. This is my real struggle. This is my real past. These are my real weaknesses. It's tough. It's tough. It's hard. And I can't tell you how many hours I've spent chasing things, tangible things, accolades, awards, and all to find out at the very end of the day, I'm just as insecure, just as broken, just as lost, just as depressed as I was before I started. Because I was trying to prove in and of myself, yo, I'm the real deal. But I really gave up the fact that I was the real deal because I wasn't the real deal. I was a fake version trying to obtain the real deal. 
And we see Jesus here. Does anybody else kind of deal with this today? Anybody else feel the weight of this today? Where you walk through this life and you feel like you got to have it together. It's got to be a Hallmark movie, 365. You've got to have it together. It's got to be just right. You, you, you said these statements parenthetically in your mind. You've said, I must perform in order to prove myself. I must be accomplished to feel accepted. I have to cross the finish line in the eyes of my peers in order to even be credible to sit in the rooms that I sit in, to sit at the tables that I sit at. And maybe you've even thought, if, but if they only knew the real me, if they only knew the struggles I had when I left church on Sunday, if they only knew the struggles I had at home, even though in public we hold hands and act like it's all put together, if they only knew the pain that I was walking through, Statistics and Barna Group studies show that over 70% of Americans deal with that thought process right there. Right there. If they only knew. I am one of the 70. There's times where I'm like, if they only knew my darkest secrets from my past. Yes, they're under the blood. Yes, they're washed by the blood of a lamb. Yes, Jesus came and he, and he redeemed me from my past. But I even sometimes find myself taking steps backwards in an attempt to be thankful for where I am. I get caught right back up in the same mentality of where I was. And the cool thing is we're not alone by this either. And if you're a person of influence, which everybody in this room is, you're influencing a circle of people, whether you know it or not, you're not alone either. Check out what some of these celebrities have said. Right, Maya Angelou, the great activist and author says, I've run a game on everyone and they're gonna find me out. That's Maya Angelou. Albert Einstein, the famous inventor says, but I'm an involuntary swindler. What does swindler mean? A swindler is an uncontrollably deceiving and depriving human being. And then Tom Hanks, one of my favorite, right, from Forrest Gump, Jenny. Self-doubt is a high wire that I often find myself walking. When you see that guy on the big screen, you don't think that. You're like, no, that guy is confident. You see him in interviews, you're like, that guy is stable. But these are people who have struggled with the same exact thing that you and I. It's the struggle between the true self and the fake show. It's the struggle and the tension between confidence and concealment. If I can just keep it under the rock a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, if I could just keep it under the Batman suit just a little bit longer, they'll never even know that I struggle. See, there's a psychological term for what we're talking about today. It's called the imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome is defined by uh, Dr. Clance this way, the one who found it. An individual experience or self-perceived intellectual phoniness or fraud, the feeding of the need for acceptance from perceived oblivious onlookers. So we're like, yeah, I got it all put together in, in public. I got it all put together. Everybody's got it. They see me. They're like, oh, yeah, that's that guy. He's got swag. He's smart. He can do this. He can do that. Man, he can capitalize this. He can, he can close the deal. He can, he can sit in rooms with influencers and turn heads. And Man, that guy's awesome. And you think people are thinking that. And then some people are like, no, nah, I read right through it, man. That guy's broke. <laughs> That guy's broken, not just financially, but he's broken emotionally. He can't even hold it together when he gets in his car. I've seen the way that he talks to his kids at the park. I was there. It's not as good as it looks on the outside. It's kind of like a used car. You buy it and they do a really good paint buff and you drive it about four or five miles and all of a sudden you hear a tick that turns into a clank, that turns into a... In the middle of the, of the car lot, it looked great because it compared to the performance of the other things around it. But you take it away and you let the, the rubber hit the road and you realize, man, this wasn't as good of a deal as I thought it was. 
And Dr. Clance, she takes this imposter syndrome and she dissects it into five different places. And you might be saying, what about Matthew 4? We're getting there, I promise, I promise. The five different sections are the perfectionist, that things have to be a certain way or your sanity will fall. The soloist, you do all the work yourself to get the glory because if you invite other people to share the glory, you're gonna, you're gonna fall. The expert, you don't know, you, you just know just enough to get off and give the facade that you've got it all figured out, but at the end of the day, your competencies don't match what you think you know. The superhero, you always save the day. You give off the perspective that you're immortal, but at the end of the day, your weaknesses are so great that if they're exposed, you know they can destroy you. And the natural genius, you know just enough about a lot. You're broad in study, but you silently fear being tested on the spot and the moment. All five of these different types flock. Uh, a, great, a great male um, psychologist said it this way, the imposter, the imposter syndrome addict are gluttons to punishment attracted to high-stress jobs that are hyper-demanding that wear them out. They suffer over and over about every mistake because of their painful perfectionism. They'll work overtime to perfect their works and the smallest mistake will make them feel fully incompetent. But our biggest fear as imposters is being found out because if our cover is blown, our work is void. It's a lot of science right there. It's a lot of psychology right there. But at the end of the day, does anybody else have a light bulb going off right now of, oh, I've run a good strong gamut in public, but when I get home, I feel worthless. When I get to the parking lot, I feel broken. I know I do at times, not I did. It's not something I'm totally over. I've gone through counseling. God has brought me a long way in the last three and a half years of my life. But at times I still struggle with this. I look at myself in the mirror and I say, what if I'm found out one day for not being as smart as people thought I was? What if I'm found out one day for not being quite the father? I mean, a lot of times you'll see the Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Mike, right? And you'll be like, man, that, that, new, that new pastor they got, he's pretty cool. At least I hope you say that, right? <laughs> that new pastor they got, he's a jerk. <laughs> Just kidding. And I'm like, that's awesome, cool. But guess what? I struggle with sin just like you do. Yeah, I do. And if I tell you that I win every time, I'd lie because Jesus did and he, yeah, they crucified him. Like, oh man, look at Ben Lee, their son. He's so cute. He's so lucky to have, you know, Christina and Mike as their parents. I got a short temper with my kid. I'm not very gracious towards him. I got to get better at that. I struggle. I do. I mean, we just got to be real. We got to be open. We got to talk about it. And I get to this place where I've learned in my life that the most valuable things that we can be in life is vulnerable. The highest value we can carry in our life is vulnerability. Authenticity, another way to say it. So today I want us to look within and say, is there an imposter that, that we're facing individually? And in my studies, and I read all these different uh, science journals as I'm preparing for today, I read all these different statistics and they say that the imposter syndrome has no grace. And that over time, people will succumb to it and they will never overcome it fully. They can only learn how to manage it. But I don't believe that because I serve a God who's greater than the imposter syndrome. I serve a God who's greater than anything that the culture of our world tries to frame around us to walk in our anointing. I, we serve a God who's so much greater, who has spoken things over us, over you and I, that if we don't take them and accept them, we're gonna become Batmen and Batwomen, walking around, acting like we've got it together. But if you look at us outside of the corridors of the public eye, we're just as broken as we were when we showed up. We gotta be vulnerable, we gotta open up. And the greatest way we can do that is attack our false self by being our real 
self, free of self-doubt, free of self-dialogue, free of the fear of our failures and frauds that live within. And we've got to take a moment and we have to step and look at Jesus at Matthew 4 and his reaction. He just receives the, this is my son in whom I am well pleased to receive the, well, if you are the son of God, then perform. And his reaction was what? He spoke the word back to the enemy. He spoke the truth right back to the enemy. When the lies came, the barrage of lies came, the truth came from Jesus. Why? Because he was full of God and he decided to walk in the fullness as the son of God. We have to perform from sonship, not for approval. And maybe a lot of you today are feeling this. If you're, the, if you're a perfect wife or if you're a good wife, then perform. If you're a good husband, then perform. If you're a great businessman, then perform. If you're an amazing Christian, then, this is a dangerous one, perform. It's not about that today. It's not about what we can create with our actions and our gifts and our performances. It's about who we are. See, the power to be a great parent is in you. The power to be a great father is in you. The power to be a great husband is in you. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So instead of listing all of our accomplishments and all of our competencies and all of our skills and all of our gifts and walking in those, why don't we just walk in the fact that greater is he that is in you that is in this world? Why don't we walk in the fact that, that we are the head and not the tail? Why don't we walk in the fact that the enemy isn't only allowed to be in one place, it's not here, it's not here, it's down here, under your foot. And if we walked in that power, if we walked in that identity and didn't perform to try to receive a fake accolade or a fake identity, we would walk in peace and peace would flow like a mighty river in our lives and it wouldn't be this living looking over our shoulder all the time and we begin to form this insecurity inside of us because we're rooted in the wrong thing you see identities earned are rooted in insecurity but identities given are rooted are given by God are rooted in assurity when you walk in your God-given identity it is as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow it is as sure as you'll take your next breath in a moment. It is as sure as, as the fact that you're in this room in this moment because what God has given you can't be shifted by what you create because he created you under the template of it already. You can walk in the identity that's only given by Christ and as co-heirs with Christ, we can find peace, we can find hope, we can find a brighter tomorrow, but playing it fake is so much easier like playing it safe. And we can... Walk in and out of the doors of this church with a blessed and highly favored as are you mentality. Our people can say, hey, how, how was your week this week? I can say it wasn't good. <laughs> I struggled. I struggled to make it here today. The enemy didn't want me to show up to church today. To be honest, like I, I struggled to make it here today. How about you? How's your day? And then you don't just part ways and be like, that guy's a weirdo. He's got problems. As mature believers, we stop and say, what do I need in that moment? I need prayer. I need love. I need somebody to accept me for where I am, not who I am only, but where I am also, and to pray for me and say, it's going to be okay. I'm going to wrap back around with you in a couple of days and see how things are going, see how things are progressing. 
But we have to get to the place where we choose to be real. It's going to cost us our pride. It's going to cost us our reputations. It's going to cost us even sometimes our jobs and the lifestyles that we live. But we have to choose to be real. We have one life to live, and we can't live it fake. We have to live it real. And there's a process that leads us to what real looks like. And I want to talk to you about the real process today. The first phase, the first step of the real process is this. We have to recognize We have to recognize and identify the areas where we're not being real with ourselves or others. We gotta look at those things and say, whoo, this is gonna be hard. And what it's gonna require of you is to get some legitimately real friends around you. See, fake friends don't tell you when you're messing up. Fake friends won't tell you whenever you're falling short. It takes real friends to pull you aside and say, hey bro, man, I've noticed you got kind of snappy the other day. When this person asked you this question, you got snappy towards them? Like, you need to chill, man. Like, we're all in this together. We're all trying to move this thing forward together. Or, hey, bro, like, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. Them shoes don't look good with that outfit. I mean, if y'all want to know what that is, man, come talk to some of these Kramer kids. They always looking fly, boy. Come on, somebody. Before I preached today, I was like, what you think? What you think, man? What you think? Am I okay? Preacher sneakers going to be hitting me up? What's up, man? No, I'm just kidding. Now, you got to get real friends around you, man, that are going to call you out for where you're at. Where you're at. You, you can't just live life and keep the people around you who are going to tickle your ears. Like, oh, you look so great today. And they turn around. Those are the ones that turn around and say, oh, my God, did you see how fat she's getting? <laughs> They're not real. If you want real, you need to attract real. You need to surround yourself with real. My mom, she's a sweetheart. She said, if you want to see your future, look at your five closest friends. Wrap those people around you. Get real. And then the second one is to expose. Expose what the enemy has coaxed you into believing. Because here's the deal. Just as much as God wired you and I, the enemy knows how to unwire us at times. If we don't stay steadfast on the Lord and stay real and stay in God's word. But we have to expose and say, here's the deal. Enemy, this is what you're trying to get me to believe. Devil, this is what you're trying to get me to understand or adopt of myself that is not true because it doesn't line up with the word of God. And you can't do this step if you don't pick the Bible up. (sighs) It's not about listening to Furtick three days a week. It's not about listening to Mike Todd once a month. It's not about getting a bunch of messages in you. Get your own message. Get in the word. Expose what is the, the differentiation between what God is saying and what you're believing. Expose what the enemy has caused you to believe, and that at that point, you'll move to the place called adoption. You adopt, you replace, uh, psychologists call this replacement therapy. Adopt and replace what the enemy has spoken over you with what God is speaking over you. Here's the deal. The enemy has three tricks. It's to steal, kill, and destroy, and he uses those intermittently. But the enemy has no match and no rival against God because God is an ever-speaking father. He doesn't stop speaking. He doesn't stop creating with his mouth. He doesn't stop creating with revelation only found in his word. Lean in and say, God, I believe this about me. What do you say about me? And to receive that, accept that. And then you move into the final phase, which is it's time to live again. It's time to live again. We can't live in the Eeyore effect for very long if you want to be real. A lot of times I'll spend time with with young people who um, I'll tell them my story and my testimony and I had some addiction in my past and some issues that I struggle with and 
Uh, I try to relate my story sometimes because people think that pastor is Greek for perfect, um, and so it's not. Um, so, like, I try to relate and tell my story sometimes, and then what I'll do is I'll get to this place where I'll say, man... And I could stand here and before you and say that once an addict, always an addict, but I don't receive that in Jesus' name. What I receive is that today I'm a child of the living God and that his mercies are new and fresh every morning. And I choose to walk in that, not in this. And yeah, we all have these tendencies and these genetics that we're wired with, but at the end of the day, you are a child of God in which he is whom well pleased with. He's well pleased with you today. So we've got to be real. We have to recognize, expose, adopt, and live. Doesn't always happen overnight, but it's like the armor of God. It's a choice you put it on every single day. You wake up and say, I don't feel good enough today. But my God says in my weakness, he's made strong. And where I'm short, his grace is sufficient. So I'll walk in that today instead of walking in my feelings walking in this inferior mindset that I'm blank. If your blank doesn't match the Bible, it's the wrong thing. You gotta find out what the compatibility is. It can't be oil and water, it's gotta be oil. It's gotta all be the same thing. And it's funny, because I'm studying and I'm looking at this, and uh, worship team, you guys can come back up. I'm studying and I'm I'm working on this, and I was reminded of a funny story. I I lost my fifth grade spelling bee. Yeah, I'm still a little hurt over it. I just need a moment. I'm a word nerd, man. I love words because words tell stories and deeper in the word are meanings that begin to envelop us and different understandings and levels of understanding. And I lost my fifth grade spelling bee because of the word perform. What a coincidence. Because I used to always try to perform well (laughs) and I spelled it P-R-E-F-O-R-M, perform. I messed it up. And I was remembering that as I heard perform. It's almost like I had a, a tick. I was like, oh, I'll perform. There's that word again. I'm like, I'm going to spell it right. I promise in Jesus' name. P-E-R-F-O-R-M. Like, I really had to struggle through spelling it right. And I was looking and reminding that story, and I even called my mom and talked to her. I was like, remember when I lost the spelling bee over the word perform? I spelled fragrance before that. Come on, man. And I can't even spell perform. And it's funny, when I was studying, I heard the Lord say to me, he's like, I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a joke that you remembered that. I wanted to show you something in that. He said, I want to show you something in that. See, perform and preform are both actually good words in the dictionary. If you go look at Webster's, they're both in there. And if you look at the meanings, a word has three parts of every structure. The first part is a prefix, the middle is the root, and then you have the suffix at the very end. I know you feel like you're in English class, but it's okay. Um, and the prefix pre means the previously established or settled. While the prefix per means the thorough and utter display of. You see the verb there, display of. And the root word of both of them, form, meaning a particular way in which a thing was created to exist. And I stop and I look at this, and so many of us, we live under the weight of the performance. We feel like our value is rooted in how we perform. Which if we read that right, it is the thorough and utter display of a particular way in which something was created. So all of us have to put our gifts and our skills on display to show that we're worthy to sit in the room, right? But the whole time God's like, no, no, you had it right all along, Mike. If you would have just gone with the preform. What does that even mean? It means previously established or settled 
in a particular way in which it was created to exist. You guys know that you and I were established to live as children of God long before we took our first breath. We were accepted by God long before we ever tried to do this Christian thing as a verb and not as a relationship. We were accepted long before our mother and father maybe planned us or didn't to have a calling and a destiny and a purpose that would live long beyond our last breath on this earth, either for the good or for the bad. So how often I look at myself and ask myself, how often have I tried to create a thorough and utter display of my existence and creation for acceptance? Where the whole entire time God is saying, hey, it's been previously established. Your identity has been paid in full. You don't have to earn it. There's no timesheet. There's no shiny things that you have to put together for me to accept you. And maybe today you're here and you're like, I'm exhausted from performing. I'm exhausted to try to look like the mom that I see online or see the mom at the park and say, I wish I could be that mom. I'm exhausted for trying to hit these goals just to get bigger ones next month. And I believe God wants to lift the exhaustion off of us today by allowing us to rest. How do we rest? We rest by saying, Father, I accept you and I accept the previously established version of me. Maybe today you don't know what that means. Maybe this is your first time hearing a message like this and you don't know what that means. Well, let me tell you what Ephesians uh, 1.4 says. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. Jeremiah 1.5 says it this way, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, long before we took our first breath, our preform was good enough. So friend, I want to take a moment today and I just want to relieve the exhaustion and the stress off of you. That you have to put on the imposter mask to survive in this dog-eat-dog world we live in. I want to lift the expectation that someone has unfairly placed upon you to tell you that if you don't do this, then you're not this. I want to give you an outlet for rest. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I don't know if you know this, but he and his dad are pretty wild about you. Jesus and his father, they're pretty crazy about you. Like, think about the biggest high school crush you ever had. It doesn't even touch this. Think about the marriage for those who've been, my, my in-laws are here today, been married for over 30 years. Think about a love that lasts that long. Doesn't even touch the love of the Father. And he wants you to rest knowing that no matter what you can perform for them, it's not as good as what he has preformed for you. He said so much about you. I want to remind you, if you've never heard this before, he said so much. First John 3, he says that you're loved. Maybe the people around you don't love you in a way you want them to. Well, guess what? He loves you. Ephesians 1 says you're accepted. John 1 says that you're a child of God. 
Colossians 1 said that you're redeemed. Colossians 1 also says you're forgiven. Colossians 2 says that you're complete in Jesus Christ. Romans 8 says that you're free from condemnation. 2 Corinthians says that you are a new creation. Colossians 3 says that you're chosen. 2 Corinthians says that you've been anointed. Anointed simply means called out, set apart to do something great. Now take in a deep breath knowing that you don't have to perform, but your preform is just enough. It's just enough. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you have had a successful career and you grind hard and you work super duper hard and you get the applause of men, but you go home and you say, that costed me time with my family, with my kids. Is it really worth it? I believe God's gonna give you the preform that he's been trying to get to you to where you go and work from a place of fullness and rest knowing that if the results don't line up with the expectation, you don't have to fulfill results to fulfill Jesus' call for your life. And maybe you're the single mom who, man, you rock it out. You do a really good job in public. Man, you throw it together really good. You're like, I got these five kids. It's just me. And, uh, and I mean, I work really hard to make sure they get to school with clothes on and lunch in their backpack in Jesus' name. And then they leave and you lay your head on the pillow and you just weep because you're broken and you're exhausted. And maybe you've been coming to church for 60, 50, 40 years. You're like, man, Pastor Mike, that's a really good word for a new believer, but... Maybe you've come into church recently and somebody's asked you, how you doing? And you said, I'm great, how are you? And when you say I'm great, it almost makes you throw up because you know it's not the truth. And that I'm great really means I need help. I'm struggling, I'm broken, my marriage is falling apart. My friendships are, are backstabbing me time and time and time again. Everybody I turn to feels like a spy. They're not, against, they're not for me, they're against me. My whole entire life is falling apart. My kids are not listening. They're getting bad grades in school and I'm exhausted. Today's the day we rip off the mask and we say it's real. Let's be real, let's recognize this thing. Let's adopt what God has said about us. Let's expose the enemy and let's live again. Let's live again. Church, this might cost us quite a bit. But I want this week, as you're taking moments with you and your family or at work, I want this week for you to just take a moment when you feel that blood pressure starting to rise or you feel that pressure in the office start to rise. I want you to stop and say, I'm a child of God in which the Father is very well pleased. And there's not another thing I can do today that makes me any closer to the preform that he created for me hundreds of years ago. You take a moment and you, if you're a male in the room and you're like, you know what, I've got to have my chest out, I gotta hit the gym just enough times, I gotta look so polished and look so good and be so right. I want you to take a moment this week and I want you to say, Father, the Bible says it's not about the outward. It's about the heart of a man. And we know that it's deceitful by nature. But today I've been redeemed of that deceived heart. And I rest in the preform that I'm a child of God. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus today. And I don't have to lift a dumbbell to prove it. I, I want us to begin to rethink the way we frame our lives and build it out to where we relieve the pressure and the exhaustion of performance and we rest in the preform that Christ has tried to get to us. 
We're going to close a little differently today. If you would stand with me, I, I want to just take a moment. Nobody leaving, nobody shifting and moving around unless, you, unless it's a part of your, your job for today. I want to just take a moment and close a little different today. I want to go back into this song here in just a moment. Because I believe that if we go back into this song, we're going to sing this part that says nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. And I believe that as we sing that, the weight and the pressure of performing is going to begin to fall off of us today. And it's going to be beautiful because we're going to walk into this week light. Walk into this week light, but full of God and ready to take the week. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.